You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Just me today. Uh, I got a few topics to run through and yeah, kind of take it from there. Um, I guess for all intents and purposes, uh, the Mets postseason hopes are, you could probably say, down the tubes. They're still mathematically alive, but, you know, that's pretty much all they've got going for them. You know, they had all the opportunities in the world. Uh you know, between the, the Braves, who had a, a very mediocre last 10 games, the, the Reds, the Padres, the, I mean, the Cardinals, of course, just swept the Mets and leapfrogged everybody. But, uh, you know, it, the Mets had a big opportunity this week to, to really pick up ground. And, you know, just shockingly, after everything that's happened, they're still in the mix. And, well, they were still in the mix. And, again, with a big series up against St. Louis, they had – Again, as has been the story all year, they 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 had all the chances to uh, to to pull out of there with, with wins on multiple, maybe not that seven nothing night, even on the seven nothing night they had their chances. But um, you know, yet you, you, Louis Rojas, what was that? Uh, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday. My apologies. Uh, Wednesday. Oh, jeez, I have it here. I swear it's all it's all a blur now. Uh, it was Tuesday with Marcus Stroman on the mound. Now, load management is a very important thing, especially this season, especially with the Mets rotation that consists of currently Marcus Stroman, who didn't pitch at all in 2020. Taiwan Walker, who had, what, 70 innings pitched between three seasons leading up to this year. Uh, Tyler McGill, who blew past his professional innings pitch total, I think, two starts ago. Uh, everyone's in the red. Carlos Carrasco has been just inching his way back to, I guess you could say, you know, no, no restraints. And he just got there recently. Uh, Rich Hill, Rich Hill's going to give you five innings. Maybe he'll give you six. He's been, you know, more than decent, but that's his workload. He's going to get you through six. He gets, he throws a lot of pitches. It's rare that he's really mowing guys down and, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's it's a just a part of this season. After going 60 games last year and 162 this year, not you know the Mets starting pitching restraints notwithstanding, it's it's a hurdle that's there. It's definitely real, and I think that the Mets have done okay with that. And their their bullpen for the most part has been really good, and and you know they've haven't uh, been as detrimental as other bullpens have been in the past. That being said, um, getting seven out of your guys is always nice, but you know this is a uh, a regime that's that's leaned towards the analytics. Um, of course, they want to keep everybody fresh through the season. Mets manager Louis Rojas, he, he, there was a part of one of his quotes that he said that he doesn't manage 
and I think I believe he was talking on FAN at the time. So he doesn't manage any differently in April than he does in September. I get the even keel. I understand how that aspect of managing kind of has to be there because it's a really long season. But <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, on Tuesday, it's a close game. Stroman comes out, which he gave you six innings, two two earned runs. He's only 89 pitches, but it really doesn't matter. He, he gave you what he's supposed to give you. Uh, you have fresh guys in the pen. We all thought that Lugo was available. Apparently, he was not. But, you know, you had... Aaron Loop, who it has, I don't know if you guys know this or not, Aaron Loop has the lowest qualified earned run average out of any major league reliever this season. I think he's at 1.05. I thought he was at 1.11, but um, someone else pulled him up at 1.05. But, I mean, you know, just incredible work uh, all around and whatever. He threw seven pitches. Um, one would assume he'd be available to go another inning. Um, even Heath Embry, who didn't look terrific, but it was probably one of his better outings as a Met. Uh, he only threw seven pitches. The Mets instead went to, you know, Jake Reed in the end. And, you know, things just kind of came crashing down and they kept on coming crashing down. And it's just, it's been a theme all year. It's, you know, every manager is going to take gambles. It's part of the job. You have to do it. It's strategy. There's odds, there's probabilities, there's, you have to make decisions. Um, taking risks, like we said, it's part of the game, but in in just, it's becoming an ongoing thing where Louis Rojas makes the wrong decision more often than not when it comes to his bullpen. I, I know that, you know, bringing Albert Almora up to pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth this week when he had Luis Guillorme, who... He hasn't really been given the shot to hit lefties at the major league level since he came up. I think he's at like 173 games played. He's only picked up like 70 plate appearances against left-handers. But, you know, in AAA, when he was facing whoever was up there, he hit really well. He hit 320-something, 400-something on on base percentage against lefties, and he was facing them every day. And again, you can't compare AAA numbers to major league numbers, but it does give a glimpse to his adaptability, to his ability to hit left-handers once he gets used to seeing him. If you only show a guy right-handed hitting for three seasons and then give him a lefty, yeah, he's going to have a problem with it. If he sees lefties, you know, often, it's, I think Luis Guillorme is one of those guys who can hit lefties. We got a little off course, but, you know, Luis Guillorme and and whoever's making these decisions, uh, Luis Guillorme, Luis Rojas, and whoever's making these decisions, because you don't know that it's all on Rojas, but... It's it's so, um, I guess, apparent at times that they're looking at metrics. And, yeah, that's today's game. Metrics are being taken into account. But you can't let metrics make all the decisions. You have to use common sense sometimes. And, you know, yeah, you don't have a lot of guys and you burned through most of your big arms in the bullpen and in the later innings before they hit extras that night, the, the Stroman start – you know, you adapt. You adapt on the fly. I think someone said it on Twitter. I wish I could remember who so I can give him credit. But, you know, the trick is adapting. Like, I'm sure they had a plan in place, but you got to kind of stray from that plan. And if you have a, a, a situation that calls for the most talented arm you have or the most talented bat that you have at that moment to be in there to get you a, an out or a big hit, you go with it. 
Sure, yeah, Luis Guillorme does not hit lefties well at the major league level, but if you pay attention to his game in the past, he does have the ability to hit left-handed pitching. Just to touch on Luis Guillorme for a second, because he's been healthy and back on the on the roster now for a few weeks. I believe he's gotten two plate appearances. I don't know that. I, I'm pulling right off the top of my head, but I believe it was maybe a start and a pinch hit. I, again, I wish I had the numbers, but this is very much on the fly today. Um, coming into the season, Luis Guillorme, you know, Luis Rojas was speaking very highly of him. Sandy Alberson during the offseason, I believe, brought him up unprompted as a, as a very important part to this team. Uh, early on in the season, during the, the bench mob era, he really, really played well. Uh, you know, and he's back, and, and you would think that you'd get him in the mix uh, later innings for his glove, wherever he fits. He plays third base. VR is not on that hot tear that he was a few weeks ago, uh, you know, maybe give him a day, right? And don't get me wrong, VR has been terrific, but, uh, you know, just to keep everybody fresh. So you have a guy like you or may ready in that spot. I mean, we've seen JD Davis kind of assimilate to the pinch hitting bench role. I believe he's picked things up a little bit in, in recent days, you know, Dom Smith, not so much. He's really struggling this year. We're going to talk about that at the Apple this week. Uh, well, next week, actually. Uh, maybe over the weekend. We'll see when it comes out. I'm still finishing touches on it. But, you know, um, it, it's it's been a very strange year as far as kind of just adapting to the situation. And, yeah, this is a baseball season. That type of stuff is going to happen. But, boy, there's just, it, you know, the amount of, of injuries, you know, the franchise record Players used by, by I believe it was by June 1st, they had the franchise record matched or something crazy like that. Like, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's a perfect storm of, of everything kind of coming together. You know, a, a, a mediocre division, um, a million chances to, to either pull away or get back into it. And just, boy, the ball just keeps on dropping. But, you know, it kind of brings us into what's next um, you know, now if this team is truly out of the mix and we're going to know that, you know, if not, we're, let's just say we're at 99% going into this weekend series with the Phillies that, you know, it's, uh, it's just about over the Mets could theoretically, you know, this is baseball, of course, um, win 14 out of 15 and make a, you know, make a run. That's not likely, you know, we haven't seen, We've seen high points. We've seen spurts of success. Shit, we saw a month-long stretch in July where this team was the best offensive team in baseball. We've seen the the rotation, even without Jacob deGrom, really uh, stand out for gaps in, in the season. But, you know, whether it's inconsistency, whether it's not being able to adjust with the adjustments that are being made towards you from opposing teams – you know, it's been a uh, it's been an uphill battle constantly. Now, with you know, I think I said it in in the article today on on the Apple. Today's Thursday, by the way. Uh, you know, with the book of twenty twenty one all but written, now you have a whole new chapter starting on on what happens next. I mean, the Mets have ten free agents. Uh, you know, you 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 know who's prioritized out of that list. Um, you know, you can go right down. <laughs> really, Michael Conforto. Who has who just you know had a, an awful awful first half plus to the season, uh, suffered a, a nasty hamstring injury, took a long time to to get back 
you know, his groove or his rhythm once returning. But, you know, since then, he's been Michael Conforto again. He's, I think, 271, 370-something, 450-something since August 1st. You know, minus the power a bit. But, boy, you know, he's he's hitting, going to all fields again. He looks like Michael Conforto again. Uh, asked everybody on Twitter this week what their thoughts were because it was reported that Michael Conforto is not expected to uh, accept the Mets qualifying offer if they extend him if they extend him one which is more than likely to happen personally i think that he is going to accept the qualifying offer it's going to be pushing 20 million dollars this year um you know he didn't have a great season yes eyes on the Mets and eyes in the Mets you know front office saw that he came back but you know, they're not going to admit that in contract negotiations. Uh, you know, the Mets are going to try and get Conforto under market. Now, I, personally, I want to keep him in the mix. We know what type of player Michael Conforto is. Um, has he been streaky in the past? Yes. For two, you know, a season and a half, if you're taking 2018, 2019, uh, 2019, 2020 into, into account, you know, he was consistently good. Uh, 2018, I have a very hard time taking that with much more than a grain of salt just because he was coming off major shoulder surgery. Before that shoulder surgery, Conforto was having a career year. He was headed towards being a superstar. So you have to take everything kind of in context. Um, Michael Conforto, so we'll fast forward back through everything. He had a great 2017, blew out his his shoulder, uh, major surgery, came back early from that, if you guys remember, he hit that very big home run in Washington. It was a day game. First series or maybe first series of the year. He missed the missed opening day, came back for the second game. Something like that. Hit a big home run and then really, really struggled. But towards the end of the year, he picked it up again. Um, 2018, uh, again, as we were just saying, uh, really wasn't the it didn't keep the 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 tra- trajectory on point but there were reasons for that again he's coming off major surgery 2019 and in and 2020 especially michael conforto was one of the more productive offensive players in baseball so you know and then of course coming into 2021 just absolutely lost for a large portion of the season of course you know narratives are you're only as funky as your last cut and and Conforto's last track was a uh, was a flop, you know, and again, we all see that he's turning it around and he's back to being looking like himself and even his defense. Um, he was plus seven outs above average in 2019 in right field. 2020, that dropped to negative five outs above average. This year, he's zero league average. Um, but he again, I test says that he's playing a lot better. He's making plays. He's making throws. Uh, he has fumbled some stuff out there, and he's maybe he's misplayed balls that are over his head. These things happen. He's not a gold glover, but uh, he certainly has the potential to be a, an above-average fielder. We, we've seen that. Um, again, this is someone I, I, I personally would like to see kept in the fold. That being said, I'm not ready to, to get into a Scott Boris bidding war over his services. If there's other teams out there that want to give him a five-year deal at 20, 22, $24 million a year. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, if you're the Mets, you, you consider it, but you know, 
that's a hefty investment for a guy. You know, if, if this was happening after 2020, like before this season, I would have said, yep, oh, sign me up for five years, 120, whatever, five years, whatever it works out to. Because he was on that type of trajectory. After this, you know, this season, he struggled. And coming back as strong as he did certainly is encouraging. But, boy, I would much rather see something in the three-year range, um, maybe even four, tack an option on later, something. You know, if the qualifying offer is going to be $20 million, that's again, that's why I assume he takes it. But if he doesn't, you're going to have to come in with an annual average of – at least 20. That's probably at the very least your, your floor. And Boris is, you know, he's going to want more. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to take into account. Um, I think Conforto's quotes this week where, you know, all this might be the end of my time, but it might not be. I personally, I took that as him saying he's, he likes it here and he, he would like to come back here. Sure. The, the, the honest reality or the, 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 honest truth is that this might be it, but that's just how I interpreted it is that he he wants to come back. And the Mets, I think have made it known that he wants to come back, but in the end, it's going to come down to price. And, uh, you know, we're going to hear a lot about Conforto in, in, in the coming weeks. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be touching back on that. Um, Marcus Stroman is another guy, you know, definitely stands out as a priority to bring back, the season that he's had, 2.88 ERA, I believe that entered Thursday as ninth in baseball. Uh, he's leading the majors and starts this year after not pitching at all last season. You know, what he's done in the absence of, you know, in the face of all the injuries to the rotation, in the absence of Jacob deGrom stepping into just literally being that ace. So many people said, oh, Marcus Stroman's not ace. He's a number three pitcher. He's a number four pitcher. You know, um, before he came here from Toronto, that 2019 season, Marcus Stroman was top 10 in F-War coming over. Once he got to New York, I believe we talked about it a a bit in the last show. Uh, He struggled for a couple of starts, but he was pristine down the stretch in 2019. And those are all very important starts. They were still in the mix sat out last year. And again, you, you know, the type of fans uh, that were angry about that. And some still are, but most of have, have really, they've been shut up by the season that Stroh's put together. It's been uh, beyond impressive. And, and, you know, for the Mets who you have Jacob DeGrom, you have Carrasco still in the mix. You have Tywon Walker still in the mix. You have Tyler McGill, who's just coming into his own. You're going to have Lucchese back, David Peterson back. Having a guy like Stroman up at the front of your rotation is going to pay dividends. We heard Tyler McGill talk about it a couple of weeks ago in his post-game presser, how you know the, the brainstorming sessions with the rest of the Mets rotation has been so helpful to him and so important to his progress. Who do you think's in the middle of those conversations, man? I mean, I, I you know, you see Marcus Stroman interact on Twitter. You see the type of stuff that he talks about as far as pitching. And he's not like the um, the flamethrower who who can get by on on just raw velocity. He's a pitcher. He's not a thrower. He's a pitcher. Again, we talked about this in the last show. I don't want to repeat myself, but in my eyes, it's the safest investment there is. You're you're getting a guy who's not gonna who's not at least pointing towards a late career decline because he's already that savvy veteran. Like, just it's a no brainer to me. 
the season that he's had is going to certainly drive up his price on the market. But, you know, in my opinion, it's like I said, it's the perfect investment. Uh, We have a few more guys to talk about as far as free agents and decisions to make. Uh, We'll take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and uh, come right back and, 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 and wrap up. Hang tight. And welcome back. Uh, again, Simply Amazing, Tim Ryder, the Apple, the Mets are out of it, mostly uh, lots of decisions to make, Louis Rojas, blunders. Uh, you know, I think that's a fair recap for the first half. Um, we were just talking about Michael Conforto or Marcus Stroman, how I guess the Mets need to prioritize their decisions on those two once they hit the offseason. You know, there's, there's other guys on this list that the Mets are really going to have to get into and dig into and see if they want to be, um, if they're, you know, if these players are going to be part of the fold for the next, you know, for the future. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, of course, in everyone's opinion, uh, seems like the perfect candidate for a qualifying offer. Uh, he's still working towards a return. I believe the Mets are expecting him to at least make a few appearances before the end of the season. Um, you know, we saw how well that did for him in 2017, after tearing his lat, he came back and he made that one start at the end of the year, just getting back into game shape and then heading into the offseason with that momentum and, and being on a normal track, of course, with a little bit of restriction, you would think. But um, having that structure back and heading into the offseason with, with that structure intact, it, it did a lot for me. Went out in 2018 and outside of uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease, pitched to a 3.03 ERA over 25 starts. I mean, that's that's going to work. Um, I, I do think it's going to pay dividends that he's making his way back now, and I do think the Mets should make every attempt to, uh, to keep him in the mix. You know, same thing as Conforto. If you can get... Syndergaard in, in the in the fold for for three years on a with with some options or something mixed in. They may be like three years total with options mixed in, um, or whatever. Even let him play out the qualifying offer. See how that works. He's a guy that his potential just screams. You want him here. He's a smart pitcher. Um, you know that he's putting in the time to come back. He's had so many setbacks. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what he looks like when he comes back and where that velo's at, where his off speed stuff is at, but. We'll, uh, we'll see. I don't even know if he's allowed to start throwing sliders yet. I don't know if you guys saw that. Louis, uh, they told Noah Syndergaard he wouldn't be allowed to throw sliders during his rehab. Um, Louis Rojas had no idea that that was the case. <laughs> so maybe a little disconnect there. Outside of Rojas, uh, <laughs> excuse me, Syndergaard, your next, of course, and you could probably even put this guy ahead of Syndergaard on the uh, on the totem pole. There it is Javier Baez. I mean, you know, he's come here and he's shown exactly the type of player that he can be. Yeah, you know, coming here, we heard all about oh, he strikes out a lot, and yeah, he, he strikes out a lot. But boy, when he's not striking out, this guy is making absolute waves, and in every facet. He's doing it at the plate. He's doing it in the field. He's doing it on the base paths. The best slider I've ever seen, at least the best slider I can remember seeing. I mean, you got to keep in mind, I don't remember the 80s that well and sliding and stealing bases were a much bigger part of the game then, but, you know, just unbelievable. He does things in at full speed that, you know, you and I couldn't do in slow motion. 
just the, the swim moves, the the wherewithal to know where he is, where the ball is, where to turn his body. It's it's unbelievable. It almost reminds me of a wide receiver contorting his toes to, to get him in bounds. That's what he does with his with his hands to kind of get in and twist his body to avoid the tag. Just unreal. And you see the energy that he brings. You see, you know, of course, you want to make Francisco Lindor happy. They have their uh, very close relationship there. And it's not like you're doing him a favor. You're making your team better. You know, and again, it's going to come down to price. But uh, if the Mets are going to be the quote-unquote Dodgers West, go out and spend money. And if I got money to spend, that's that's the guy I want. Uh, you know, uh, Jerry Reese Familia, um, he's going to be a free agent. You have to wonder whether the Mets have seen enough of him. You know, there were flashes this season where he looked great, and there were flashes that he just does not. The home runs have been an issue, and of course, that comes down to his control when you have that much movement on your two-seamer. Uh, and he mixes in a four-seamer too, but when you got that much vertical, uh, horizontal movement, you're drifting into the heart of the plate just too often. And, you know, we've seen it with Eben Diaz. When he had his really bad 2019, you saw that firsthand of, of oh my goodness, you know, this guy needs to kind of harness that that movement, and he did. And you know he's had an up and down season. He had a really rough week last week, but uh, you know he was able to do that. And I think Familia, in his veteran, with his veteran experience, um, would be able to kind of adjust a little more seamlessly. But we'll see. Uh, you know, if he's interested in coming back for less money than he's been making. Excellent, because uh, I just don't see him as the, the uh, what was it, 330 that he signed for. He's not that guy anymore. So, you know, you'll, you'll see how that shakes out. The Mets have a lot of promising arms. There's going to be some arms out on the uh, on the market, I'm sure. You're going to have Brad Hand, who has been up and down. But I think if Jeremy Hefner gets his paws on him and the, uh, the potential of that slider uh, being what it is, if you can ha- keep him in the mix for a uh, you know a nickel or a dime, that's a that's a high, you know, high reward, low risk type of uh, situation. Of course, Aaron Loop, uh, we talked about him earlier. He's a free agent. He's already expressed interest in coming back. You know, if I'm the Mets, I get that done today, maybe tomorrow, uh, so as soon as possible. Um, and back on the offensive side, you have Jonathan VR. Uh, VR has stepped into a starting role this year and, and, you know, he's, when he was hot, you know, he was absolutely scorching. He was one of the best hitters in baseball for, you know, a few week period there. He was just absolutely on, on, on fire. Uh, he's cooled down, but he's still by far a, uh, a more than serviceable B tier guy on your roster. Whether he has to slide into a starting role, whether he has to be a, a a bench guy, whether he's you know playing every few days, pinch hitting, he's a switch hitter. You know he he was the exact type of pickup that the Mets kind of needed this year, and uh, he he's certainly earned him. He's only thirty years old. He's gonna earn himself a a nice little contract. Um, you have to wonder whether he kind of fits that bill for for the Mets, and if they're gonna have. You know they're going to have money to spend, but if they're going to want to spend additional money on their bench, personally, I think they do. I think it's a smart move, but again, you're not going to get into a bidding war over uh, 
over Jonathan VR. Hopefully, you know, the, uh, the great friendship that <laughs> the Mets did develop throughout this season, uh, you know, can pull some strings when it comes to the offseason. And that goes for Conforto. That goes for Stroman. That goes for, you know, every, every guy in this, in this mix. If they want to be here, they're going to do what they can to be here. You know, are some guys going to get offers of, you know, a few million more a year to go somewhere else? Of course. If these guys want to be in New York, you know, and if the Mets really don't have the ability to stretch out their funds, you know, you can't see him going into the season with a $300 million payroll. But, you know, if it comes down to a couple of million, you make the move. If it comes down to 10, you know, eh, you have to really consider these things. You have to consider your options. You have to consider your alternatives. There's a, a lot that goes into it. But for this group, Stroman, Conforto, Syndergaard, Baez, I, I say run it back. That was actually the theme of our uh, we did Twitter polls uh, on on my Twitter account this week. We did a, a run it back or it's a wrap. We listed all of these guys. And the, the results were actually pretty uh, pretty interesting. Here, I, I'm going to – Take them out real quick. But while I'm pulling those up, I mean, you also have guys like Jeff McNeil who did not have a great year. Dom Smith who did not have a great year. J.D. Davis we talked about earlier, very, very hot and cold. You know, there, there's, there are fans who are saying trade these guys, sell, sell, you know, sell them now. I, I'm not so quick to do that. I think these are the pieces that, you know, all of these guys went at their best. They're what led the Mets to being – you know, the, the, to having the fifth best weighted runs created plus in baseball throughout 2019 and 2020. From having, uh, I believe, the seventh best, seventh best, and eighth best uh, individual slash lines over that span. Like, this was a top rated offense, and they're only, they've only gotten better. They've handed Francisco Lindor, if you can keep Baez in the mix. I mean, the, the potential here is, is still up there, in my opinion. After this season, of course, the situation changed. I, you know, I, I said it on Twitter on Thursday. I kind of look at the process of development and the process of trusting the process of development. Uh, you know, look at Cedric Mullins in, in Baltimore. Cedric Mullins is having an MVP-level year. Cedric Mullins had one outstanding minor league season out of five. He was like a 265 oh, I don't know, mid-700s OPS hitter in the minors. He had one outstanding year, which points directly to what he's done this year. I think he's at 299, 4-something, 5-something, 29 home runs, 28 stolen bases, 34 doubles. I remember everything except for his slash line, of course. Uh, just, you know, if, if Otani and Vlad weren't having the seasons they were having, he would be in the mix for AL MVP, and I would not be surprised in the least if he gets MVP votes, not first or second, but I believe he's going to be uh, receiving some votes just for the stuff that he's put up. But to speak to my point, Cedric Mullins, that's just, uh, you know, uh, clear evidence of trusting the process and trusting a player's development. And, you know, even when he got to the majors, he had just an awful, 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 2019 season. He hit under 100. I think he got something like 80-something plate appearances in. 2020, you could start to see his confidence and his 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 
comfort level at the major league starting to come into play. He didn't put up great numbers, but it was coming. You could see it. And then, you know, you, you follow that path long enough and you get there. Um, for guys like Jeff McNeil, for guys like Dom Smith, for guys like J.D. Davis, they already got there. They hit bumps in the road, but I think we've seen all of these guys play at their highest capability. If not, maybe there, you know, maybe there's even more there. But, you know, Jeff McNeil, since he came up through this season, was one of the best bat-to-ball guys in baseball. Dom Smith was developing into an, a high average doubles machine, a little bit of pop, could play first base, could play outfield because he worked his ass off to get out there. You know, J.D. Davis, who was an exit velocity monster, you have to wonder. He still has high exit velocity, still has a high on base percentage. Um, and God bless Mets Daddy for picking this up from the start. But, you know, that 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 BABIP, the batting average on balls in play, you know, maybe it wasn't so um, so feasible over time. And we kind of saw that come into play over the second half this year. And as we said earlier, he's coming out of that in his in his bench role. He did lose a starting role in the process. But um, I, I kind of think J.D. Davis and maybe even Dom Smith, you know, if the DH is back, he's going to spend a lot of time at first, and that's great. But, you know, these guys are have shown it in the past. They're ideal bench players. They've thrived on the bench. Luis Guillorme, this was his last option year, I believe. I believe that he he goes into next year with that with no major league options remaining. Um, I fear that the Mets are going to let him eventually walk away. Maybe maybe he'll be non-tendered this year. Maybe you know maybe they'll keep him in the mix and just when they have that first roster crunch next year, oh no more options left. You're DFA'd, and that sucks. I, you know and I. I He's worked, Luis Guillorme, he's worked so hard to become the option that he has become. And it just feels like the Mets have never really given him a fair shake. And uh, it's coming to that point where, they're, they're, you know, he, it's going to come to him moving on. And that 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 sucks. It really does because he's the ideal bench player. He's the guy you want as your 25th man, 26th man on the roster. You do. That's the guy I want as my 26th man on the roster. Um, you know, Kevin Pillar, I believe, has – ooh, is he signed or has an option for next year? Either way, um, nice bench player. Got pushed into a starting role this year. But, again, the core, I think, stays intact, man. Run this back. I'm, I'm excited for 2022 already. I'm excited for this offseason. You know, I, we will wrap it up on Steve Cohen because – Boy, he likes to have fun on social media, doesn't he? <laughs> Steve Cohen. So, um, Mike Puller from The Post. And, of course, Steve Cohen's been active on social media. He's taking a lot of heat for it, but he keeps coming back. Tip my hat to that. And, you know, I guess, all right. So, on Thursday morning, Mike Puma um, had a report come out that a, a former MLB executive – uh, had a lot of stuff to say about Steve Cohen and oh he's going on Twitter and he's and he's oh he's fucking up in so many words he didn't say that of course I'm paraphrasing <laughs> a bit salty um, but you know Steve Cohen jumped right on that he got on Twitter I mean I was I'm up early every day but I was on Twitter at like seven o'clock and he's already oh if anybody can guess who this source is that Puma used and, yeah I got a laugh out of it some people aren't though some people are not happy that he's out there you know creating MLB owner reality TV. Um, personally, 
I, I don't mind it. I get that people are are frustrated with it. Fans want championships. Fans, as you know, of course, at first glance, it's very jarring to see your owner on Twitter mixing it up and talking shit. But, um, you know, fans want titles. And this has been a really, really frustrating season for a lot of fans. A lot of fans are really unhappy. And, uh, they, you know, they don't want to see I don't know why, but they don't want to see their owner doing this stuff. And I get it. The Mets have a lot of work to do as an organization, as an on-field team. And, and and that's kind of where my, like, that's where my point of view comes in is that, you know, as long as, and we have to take into account that it's been what, a calendar year almost that Cohen's had the team. So, you know, this is all still very new. This is a, a very long-term plan, but as long as he brings every every single aspect of this organization up to par. I don't care what he does on social media. I don't care if he has fun, but bring us a, a, a perennial contender, build that, build a front office. That's not only, you know, able, but doesn't have the toxicity that we've heard of in the past. Along with that toxicity, wipe out, just clean out the entire system. Start from scratch. You're the brand new owner of the company. I know you have an infrastructure there and you have people in place that have been there for a while. Maybe that's the problem. You know, this week, Steve Cohen said he's going to, well, I don't even know if Steve Cohen, it was, it's been reported that Sandy Alderson is going to be back in the fold in the front office. Uh, still his team president, but with like less baseball operations duties, more on the uh, oversight side of things, but I, I I respect that Sandy's a baseball lifer. I respect that Sandy has done great things in this game. That said, I think that it's time for Sandy. We talked about this in the past. It's just, it's, it's time to close that chapter. Steve Cohen wanted someone to kind of guide him through the, the transition period. Great. It did not go well. There were so many PR snafus, so much just disturbing news coming out of the, uh, of that organization. And then it did span, of course, two different ownership regimes. But the one constant there was, was Sandy. And, you know, it, it just it may be time to, to kind of move on. That's my humble opinion. But, you know, it, it all comes back to changing the culture. And the often mocked best friendship culture that developed in the clubhouse this year, that's the foundation. You build out of that. Anything else that doesn't have to do with that, it's expendable. And, and, you know, I just, you know, make all your moves with with an eye on the future. Do it with, you know, yeah, of course, you want to make a splash. Maybe this isn't the time to make a splash. Maybe you make one splash. Maybe you make a, a, a an applauded move. But, you know, I guess they, like Steve, Steve Cohen said, you don't want to be a drunken sailor. I'm fine with that. But you do have responsibilities to bring this organization out of the, <laughs> the, the caverns that it was lost in for so, so, so long. Um, and on, on so many fronts. Change the culture inside and out. You know, you had a lot of time to do this. Uh, you know, I, if if you can seriously follow that plan and win a title in the next few years, 
talk all the shit you want, man. I, I'm, I hope you're listening because, I, you know, there are a faction of fans who blindly follow. There are a faction of fans who call out those fans who blindly follow. And they're, they're the ones who just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, I like to consider myself the, in, the, in the former of those three, uh, the latter of those three. But, um, you know, everyone's going to fan how they're going to fan. I applaud Cohen for coming in and, and trying to change things. Again, you know, these things don't happen overnight. I do wish that more would have been done in the first year of his tenure to um, to not just, I guess, uh, outside of the on-field product. I think they did a lot for the on-field product. But changing the, uh, the trajectory of the organization as a whole, I think that has to be a priority. But on that note, I think I've rambled on for long enough. Uh, guys, as you know, the season's not over yet, but I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for listening along. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Just, you know, a couple of times a week sitting here shooting the breeze. It's uh, very enjoyable and uh, big plans for the offseason and into next season. And I think you guys will be real pleased with where we're headed. Anyway, uh, you know where to find us. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, that's where we are. Uh, check out the Apple. Of course, you have uh, content going up there daily. And uh, subscribe, rate, review. That's all we can ask. You guys know the sign-off. Let's fucking go Mets. Peace. Peace.